Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Initech. No, you're working at Initech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time. Oh, man. We're living in a I'm Mike there, young lady. Well, welcome back to Sex Jacks. I'm coming out. She's on the Annie on the board. I know. It was Annie. It wasn't in front of me, though. It was behind my machine. I would. It has to be in front of you to do much good, you know what I'm saying? Just one of those things. Now, when you go up and sing, if, if the mic is, like, still in this briefcase, what good does it do you? Well, yeah, just make sure you keep the mic in front of your face. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's always a good thing. <laughs> good good morning to you. SB Futures up 9. NASDAQ Futures up 53. They were just down. They just ran up a little bit, like, in the last, literally, minute or two. Uh, they were down a little bit when we came in. The uh, um, We have the Dow Futures are up 49. Individual stocks in the Dow doing some kind of movement. Chevron Tex goes down another 477 today. 3M's up a buck. Amgen's up a buck. Boeing's up a buck. So a bunch that are up a little bit. Microsoft up a buck 50. Stocks have been all been taking a pretty good beating the last few weeks. I mean, some of the Nasdaq's down about, uh, 20%, 22% on the, from the highs. So that's a waste. I mean, Apple's been taking a beating. It's down to 150 from 170 something. So there's a lot of uh, angst among the, the Apple, uh, well, some of the places that I uh, do business for. Do we have Brendan? The uh, I am. I'm here. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm doing fine. I'm talking about some of the uh, places I do some uh, uh, protected stuff for. Uh, one of the largest, shall we say, unhedged position is is, is Apple. Brendan, do you do you gender flex to the, job, the 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 altar of Apple every day like like a lot of these people do? I mean, it's they're, they're they don't want anybody touching it. Nobody protecting it. When it's down, they're mad. It's a uh, uh-huh. They think they have this. What 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 is it about? I'll go down this road. What is it about people in their stocks in their professional teams that they they actually think that somehow they owe them something? What what that if you've had Apple since it was five bucks and it's up to one seventy and you've had splits and everything else and and you've had that all of a sudden that you 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 can't sell it that you you owe them something you can't you can't take anything off the table you can only buy more. It's like it's like being a a bear fan. I mean, everybody loves, I think, getting together <laughs> for the game, or or a Cub fan or a Sox fan. But to think that that you're anything more than a customer to those people is. Uh, do you think Apple cares about you when they buy stock back instead of paying a dividend? Not the least. Not the least. I, I don't think any corporation really cares about their stockholders, uh, except when they need the money from them, and uh, and have no have no loyalty or thought about them when they're making a corporate decision. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I don't know why people have this, there's, there's a, uh, a strange difference in, in, uh, I won't say strange, but it's a significant difference in thought between people that have been professional traders and people who are, I'll use the term investors. Um, the, you know, a, a trader marks himself, this is going to sound weird, Brendan, but marks himself to market every day. Now, you know what that uh-huh. means, but, a lot of people, we had a, <laughs> Dr. J, of course he introduces me to some guy, um, this is years ago, and uh, the dude comes in, of course, it, he he worked, he was a radio guy, or a TV guy, or something, some kind of star, where the hell he was, and uh, 
somehow or another his mother had invested in the the station or, or wherever it was the, the company that was producing his show and a few others and all of a sudden that this was doing really well and I'm, I'm going to say she was in it at 20 something and the stack is straight in 67 and you know it's it's a concentrated issue so in other words it's it was probably 70% of her portfolio and I said well you know if it's me when you have a concentrated issue you you really would never you ask people the question if I if I gave you 700 grand would you go out this afternoon and buy and put all 700 grand in the stack the answer is inevitably no then they say to you uh, well don't you want you want me to sell it or you want me to protect it I said no I, I don't want you to you just said <laughs> you want yourself to right I mean, it's sort of, sort of like the reverse lawyer thing. You know, would you buy it again today? Mm-hmm. If the answer is no, well, then obviously it's too much of a of a chunk of your portfolio. Now, you can either get rid of some of it or you can protect it so that it's it's not that big of a percentage of your risk, even though it might be that percentage of your portfolio. So uh, the guy comes in a week later and he says, well, the stock's now 59. I don't want to do anything until it goes back to 67. And I said, well, that's interesting, but what makes you think it's going to go back to 67? Well, it will. That's where I decided to protect it at 67, not at 59. He goes, by the way, I'm still up 34. My mother's up 34. I said, well, there's a difference of point of view that we just both have. When you first told me about it, it was 67 and now it's 59. You think you're up 34. I think we're down (laughs) 8. And uh, it just just is a difference in in, in mentality. I mean, how many people do you think... For, you know, for Apple being down from what one seventy, let me see where the top was. Uh, the uh, the top was uh, one eighty five ish, and now it's one fifty. So we're now it's down thirty five. So that's uh, roughly what twenty percent. Now a lot of people are saying, "Well, I, I, you know, my average price is twenty five. I'm still okay. I'm, I still owe my God, you know, owe myself to Apple." You, know, you have to look. at It's still a you know what, what kind of P E ratios. You know, it's a uh, they make five bucks in the stacks. 150, it's still what, 30? And they've got problems. I mean, I'm not, I'm not giving any investment advice whatsoever, but it's not like the P ratio is down to 8 or 9, right? Mm-hmm. So, I yeah. mean, I, I mean, it, it, it is, uh, it is strange. Hey, I wonder, your, your, uh, lawyer buddy Lou, what did he accuse me of yesterday being a, uh, I don't know, not a, not a male chauvinist, but sexist pig or something? Uh, which of course I hope I'm not. But I, I, I sent you guys. <laughs> I sent you guys that. Who would ever take that of you, Chief? I, I, you know, the thing that it's very, it's, it's, it's inaccurate, but, um, the, uh, I sent, her, I sent all you guys that thing about, uh, Jeannie Thomas, the wife of Supreme Court Justice. Yeah. Forget, um, and you know, I, I don't know, it's, it's very, very difficult. I don't know how you would do it. Because I know you can't just because, you know, somebody gets, you can't tell somebody, male or female, that they can't go out and get a job or do something just because they're, husband or wife is a big shot, right? Yet by the same t- but there's a fine line there between the reason why you're getting this board position is because your husband or wife is a senator. Yeah. I mean, right? So I don't know exactly how to maybe you just leave it alone because you can't fix it or I mean, do these people they're on third that they think they hit a triple? <laughs> they're born I mean I mean I mean, I mean the idea just because you're born on third base they hit the triple? Yeah, you think you hit a triple. I mean, I uh, you know, how do you, how do you, let's put it this way. I don't remember Senator Dirksen, Senator Paul Simon, Adley Stevenson, wife sitting on, on eight different boards and making a fortune 
with their with their nose in the government trough. I mean, or or Nancy Pelosi's husband happened to you know benefit by every single bill that comes through the damn place. I mean, I, what, when did this start, Brandon? Is there anything you can do about it, or, or somebody's son, or whatever? I mean, a nepotism. But the thing is, you and I grew up in Chicago. Nepotism used to be, you know, if if Uncle Charlie couldn't get a job, he went to the alderman and he gave him a job, you know. Either as a bridge tender or sweeping streets, which is a horrible job, but at least the guy's working. And, you know, that's the patronage Hello? system. I never, I never really saw a whole lot of damage in that because the job was crap, basically. You're not, that, but that's, that's different than putting Uncle Charlie on a corporate board somewhere. I mean, you know, I, yeah. I don't really, I don't know how you well, draw there's the line. A long history that. There, there's a long history of that both in the, in the city of Chicago and the alderman and also, uh, on the state and the federal level. I mean, it's, it's, it's been replete. Think about how many uh, dynasties there have been, uh, in, even in the federal government. As far as relatives to Kenny John, um, even like Bob Dole and Elizabeth Dole and uh, That's what I'm saying, yeah. two were, were married to each other. Well, how do you. So, I mean, I, I think the problem's been a long time in, in this country. But I, well, how do we. I, I sort of. Everybody's. What? The, I, I, don't, I don't know. I can't define pornography, but I know it when I see it. I. I honestly don't care mm-hmm. if somebody gets a, pay, a patronage, quote, job. But I, I really don't want Uncle Charlie sitting on the board of, of Commonwealth Edison and People's Gas. To me, mm-hmm. when, when you start mixing, you know, the, the private that's getting benefits from government with the government to which the people in power, maybe maybe that's where I draw the line. I don't know. I mean, I really don't care if, if, if Uncle Charlie becomes the bridge tender and actually shows up for work well, and raises I think, the bridge. I think the- the, the bigger problem is not whether Uncle Charlie gets on the board of ComEd or People's Gas or whatever it happens to be, but do they belong there and will they do the work? And I think that what happens a lot, or will it prevent a conflict of interest? Take, for example, the, the recent uh, disclosures about Mike Radigan, that in addition to the trouble he's in right now for being indicted, there's also evidence that when he and Salise were talking about it, uh, he wanted Solis to help his son get business. You know, you can think about the old Richard J. Daly thing when his sons were given jobs and connections uh, when Richard J. Daly was alive. He goes, well, it's a terrible world if a man can't help his son out. Um, oh, yeah. But, you know, when, when somebody's not qualified or not qualified for that position, and, you know, the same thing is true, you know, with, with a Hunter Biden, with uh, Burisma. Yeah, what's, what's really the connection here? What's trying to get, what are you trying to get at? And that's wrong, and there should be uh, there should be retribution. Well, not retribution. There should be some kind of prohibition on somebody like that who's unqualified, who is clearly is in a position solely because of who his father or his mother is. But it's even more of a problem when you have somebody uh, like the senator or Supreme Court justice who can make decisions that has a much bigger impact, and their spouse or their child is uh, is benefiting. From them in a way that people like Jimmy Thomas is and uh, and Mike Madigan's son. Do these people even know what the word recusal is? I mean, I was reading this article. This, well, this article is by uh, you know I don't know where the hell did I get this thing? It's a Washington Post. Uh, uh, Mariana Alfaro. Anyway, there was some some story about how the the, the wife went to a, a, a Trump rally for that he like won the election or something and. then Clarence Thomas refused to recuse himself the next day for, uh, for what? A, 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 the interesting part is if, a, if there's a question as to whether a Supreme Court justice should recuse himself, the appeal is to himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
There's no, there's no way. Well, in the case of, yeah, you're right. In the case of the Supreme Court, it's all left to their own determination. None of the other justices or the, the chief justice can say, hey, Clarence, you've got a problem here. Get out of here. <laughs> Recuse yourself. There is no, uh, there is nothing like that on the Supreme Court. It's all left up to themselves. Well, so much for checks and balances. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, after, this, after Lou accused me, I mean, I really, I, really, I don't know how to draw the line, uh, Brennan, but, I mean, I, th- I think for me it has to do with the, I mean, right now I, th- I think the biggest issue is not, you know, patronage. It's it's not, uh, you know, if, you know Clarence Thomas's jo- kid getting a job or grandkid getting a job as a, you know, as, as a janitor or something in the in a capital. I mean, I, re- I really don't care. I mean, it's maybe I'm maybe I'm too Chicago, you know. But when he starts when he starts sitting on four boards that 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 mm-hmm. are doing business with the uh, the, the government. Then I have a problem. I don't know why that is. Is that just my economics background or what? Or I think there should be some kind of a separation between competitive industries and government or something. I know I'm going down the wrong road there because that's, that ship has sailed. But and where mm-hmm. is, is my line awful or is yours? Do you have one? Where's yours? No, I I agree with you completely. I, I think I'd even be uh, earlier than you as far as prohibitions uh, on uh, on people getting jobs and. Yeah, again, the, the hard line is whether somebody really is qualified and willing to do the job. You know, uh, just look at uh, Tom Cullerton, the guy who was just uh, pled guilty here in Illinois. He's a cousin of John Cullerton, the former uh, state senate president. And what he was convicted of was taking a job at the Teamsters Union and not showing up for his job. So that's clearly a, a, an example of trying to put somebody on a, on a board position where they are not going to do the work and are just in there because they know a guy. They got a guy who got who got them the job. And that is absolutely wrong. It does get to be a tougher decision or a tougher line to follow if somebody really is qualified and has training and expertise in in a certain uh, area. Like somebody who's an expert on uh, electricity and gets on a comment board. That gets a little bit tougher, but it, I still agree with you. There should be some rules, and unfortunately, a lot of the rules are left indeterminate, and they're left indeterminate for a reason, both uh, in state level and federal level. Uh, well, nobody will ever do that kind of a thing. So, right. trust me, what possibly go wrong until it happens? Well, when you when you look at it, and I, you know, I took uh, Lou's criticism to heart, and I, I mean, let's put it this way: ma- male or female, if you are, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be one of the people who says. Uh, you know, standing there in his, in his wife beater shirt, drinking a beer in a trailer camp, thinking he could be, you know, the quarterback. To, well, maybe the Bears, I don't know. <laughs> but thinks you could be a quarterback or president tomorrow. I mean, you can't be. I mean, well, let's put it this way. We, we hope you wouldn't be. Uh, you know, but, but I also know that somebody who's going to, who is that kind of determination and is that kind is going to get that kind of education, you're probably going to meet somebody along the line, uh, that maybe is is just as determined and maybe just as uh, educated. I'm not going to say bright because a lot of bright people don't go to the right colleges, uh, the right colleges, the, the big time colleges. But you're probably going to have a fairly powerful spouse, male or female, right? I mean, you, you would not all the time, but sometimes. What I'm saying. So you really can't if you're if you're a lady going to be a senator, uh, you, you can't relegate the guy to you know mowing laws in the neighborhood and saying he can't do anything else because he's probably Mm-hmm. Somebody who's you know a, a big time attorney or a big time this in his own right or her. So, but that, that you you know I'll, I'll use the term a power couple. 
But still, the minute you be, you get elected, all of a sudden, they should know that if, that if all of a sudden, I mean, does Lena Cho not realize, or Wendy Graham not realize that the Enron board seat was because the, the old man was in Congress? I mean, mm-hmm. does she yeah. actually think she, I mean, I mean, she may in her own right, if he wasn't a congressman, have made it onto a board or two. I'm not saying she's a dummy. I mean, she wasn't, or isn't. Uh, but do they really think that, that, that she's got that job because, not because he's in, in Congress? I, mean, I, I don't know how you, you stop that, but you, but you need, I think you need to. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, plus there, there really is, the, you know, the other way to look at it, that if my spouse is a person who has influence because he or she is a senator or a you know, congressman or a mayor or what have you, then the appearance of this it should be enough to stop me, no matter how qualified I am from being on the comment board or, or you know, the board of Boeing or whatever it happens to be. But the appearance, both to me and to the company, should deter from, from taking that position. Or that's you, a self-regulation thing. Or, or you could, if you get the spot, like at Enron, the, the thing that, that frosts me about that one is why I remember it is because while she was on the board, while he was in the Senate, Enron was carved out of any sort of regu- regulation because they're not regulated by anybody. Yeah, and it, there was actually a bill that went through that he sort of sponsored. But I think how it, cynical can you get? Do you think there could possibly be any connection there at all? Yeah. I mean, you. If, if, but if it was, I'm stunned. But if it was you or me, or or somebody, uh, you you could set the tone at the board, where the first time they talked about something going through Congress, you say, "Well, that that's my my, it's my clue to get out of the room." You you could do yep. it yourself. I mean, if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you could set the tone whenever you guys are talking about government regulation. I'm out of the boardroom. You could do that. Mm-hmm. And you and you can just tell these people I'm not there for that purpose. That's why you think you got me here. You, you got it all wrong. You could do that. Mm-hmm. I don't think she did. Yeah, you could. I I don't think so either. But it, you, know, you you bring in an interesting point about being in the room when things are voted. It, you know, one of the things that uh, Eddie Burke is facing right now is uh, his use of his power to gain money for his private law firm. And if you look back over the records, uh, when he was chairman of the Finance Committee, there are many instances where even in the city council meeting, when matters were uh, recommended for approval out of the uh, Finance Committee to the full city council, he would present them to the city council, even if he had an interest or his firm had an interest in representing the, the business, one of the businesses in some capacity. And what he would do, he, he would not vote on a voice vote or anything, and at the end of the session, the vote was taken and knew everything was passed, he would say uh, to the secretary, mark me, um, uh, you invoke rule, whatever it was, which means that he was not voting because he had a potential conflict of interest. But he would always do it after the vote was over, just to you know, make sure that I'm listed for rule uh, such and such on items 1, 7, 10, 15. And it was a really interesting thing to do. And I, do you think that there's there's any connection with uh, with with his firm uh, getting a lot of deals when that kind of thing happens? Oh yeah, but Brendan, has there been in in my lifetime when I was on the CBOE before I was on the board? I was chairman of I was I chairman of four or five committees at some point, and uh, I there, there seemed to be somewhat of a creep uh, as a chairman. Matter of fact, my buddy Doctor J. I was I was chairman of the uh, 
the uh, well, essentially the DPM committee, the Alternative Training Committee, and uh, where instead of all being market maker pits, they gave you know, essentially they were specialists. And I was chairman of that committee, and Bill Flourish put me there because I was known to be an honest guy. And oh, by the way, I traded in the OEX, so I had enough. I mean, I, I had no X to grant, so I was, I was, even though people didn't like what I was doing, they at least knew I was impartial. Um, which is, which by the way is a, is a big plus when you're, when you're doing stuff like that. But there used to be, if you, if, if for instance, the, uh, the, whatever you were talking about had to do with your crowd, say there was a crowd that was a problem and you were in the IBM crowd, well, you, there was like two levels of, of kicking your butt out of the room. Either you had to, you had to be just going to hall, you know, you, well, we talked about it. Or you could stay for the debate, but you couldn't vote. And, but everybody, well, I, mean, I mean, Dr. J, he was the first DPM specialist, essentially, that was on the committee. <laughs> Even though he was my buddy, he spent the year in the hall, basically. And, uh, hey, all right, John, you're out again. What? <laughs> Go. And, and, uh, but, but after, after a year or two, especially when these became bigger groups and they weren't individual people, I mean, John was his own, he was his own guy, he was independent, um, which was fine. But other people would come in and they'd say, Wait a minute! I'm not leaving. That's why my boss wants me on this committee to vote our self-interest. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it changed while I was there. This is during the '90s. So these, yeah. they're, they're like, "What are you talking about? I'm in Congress because I have this business or whatever." Well, why would I ever recuse myself? What are you dumb? <laughs> what are you from Iowa? Or something? Mm-hmm. You know. So I mean, I think the 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 quote morals have I use the term evolved, changed. You know. So Eddie, yeah, Bates, evolved is a good word. <laughs> I mean, I, but I mean, I, does any like I say, if, if I'm not here to promote my own best interest, what am I doing here? That, you know, and I, if I'm not here to represent, if I'm not here to represent my guy, and what am I doing here? I'm not going to be here long because I'll find another Jim who comes in and and won't take this as honestly as I will. And who's the who's the judge in Illinois that got all kinds of money from State Farm for his election? And then there was a a big case involving State Farm, and they said, well. You you can't take that case. You got to recuse himself. He goes, "What are you talking about? That's why I'm here, or something along those lines." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, so what do you make of? Uh, we only have we only have a couple of minutes, Brendan. What do you make of what's uh, the, the long term interplay here with this this Ukraine sort of thing? I mean, the, the China involvement. Do you think this is getting better or worse? I think it's getting worse. I, I, I my observation is that. With the Russia-Chinese alliance possibly going further, that that's going to increase the likelihood of an escalation of the war. Because if, if China steps in on behalf of Russia and helps them out, I think there'll be more pressure on both the United States and NATO forces to counteract that. And I think that's likely to happen both with uh, troops and military action as well as economic tra- action. Where you'll see a Western alliance go against China as well as military action stepping up. And I think that's very dangerous. Even if it's something like uh, getting drones from China to uh, to use against the Ukrainians, the way that the Ukrainians have effectively apparently used drones against the Russian army, um, that's an escalation that will not be tolerated, uh, or if it is tolerated, is just a capitulation to allowing Russia to, to prove more aggressive. It seems like there's also, at some point, there'll be, uh, I don't know where the line is, uh, is how egregious the action has to be in Ukraine for NATO and or uh, the United States to step in with further military action. You know, the other day there were, there were bombs uh, and uh, a cannon fire 
they were within 15 miles of the, the border of Poland. And, you know, if one of those, those guys on the cannon just adjust the, the scope a little bit further by 15 miles, um, it could be a little bit problem if, if a NATO alliance partner is, uh, is attacked, uh, whether it's intentional or unintentional. That's going to be a really hard line to, to face. And well, I, hope, uh, I, I think that the, the alliance between China and Russia is really escalating it if the Chinese do step in. Um, it's hard to... Uh it's hard to say you're wrong, Brandon, but I sure hope uh, it doesn't go down to that. I mean, uh, anyway. Well, I am, too. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to run too, but... All right, bud. Well, you, sure you have a good week. We might have to... Not going to happen. We might have to have you back if this thing keeps... Because uh, it looks like you got a pretty good feel on it. Uh, are you here in Michigan? Where are you? I'm here. I'm here in Chicago. All right. Well, maybe one of these days we'll, we'll you know, actually see you, you know. <laughs> SP, maybe. SP Futures up 450. SP Futures up 45. I'll be right back, Mr. Joel Cannon. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. 
We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tomorrow, she's Eliani on the board. SP Futures up 750 now. We were down when I came in. NASDAQ Futures up 56. Of course, yesterday on break, NASDAQ was up 30, then it went down 60, then it was up 10, all in like 15 minutes. And yesterday we were, uh, we got hammered by the end of the day again. Uh, Dow Futures are up 3. Again, individual, individual stocks are, uh, uh, not that much. Chevron Texaco down 572. Uh, that's, that's probably the biggest mover in the Dow. Uh, over in, uh, where do we have here? Over in Europe, we have the DAX down 135, that's a full 1%, FTSE down 58.8%. These guys are picking up on the tail end of our day yesterday, which was down. Kakaran up down 71, which is 1.1. Over in Asia, and these guys we got hammered yesterday. Uh, Nikkei uh, up 38.1%. We've got the Shanghai down 159.5%. Hang Seng down another 1,100 points to 18,415, 572. It's lowest close since February of 2016. Uh, that thing has got to be down 30 some percent on the year. I'll, I'll, I'll check that. I'll get the, get the chart here in a minute. Yesterday, uh, the Dow was up one. The S&P was down 31. NASDAQ down 262. So the Dow managed to hang in there, but, uh, the rest of them, no. Like I say, the NASDAQ was down another 2%. It's just getting, individual stocks in there are just getting hammered. Especially the Chinese, uh, Internet stocks, the Baidu's and those kinds of things, ten cent, they're all uh they're going right down with the with the uh, Hang Seng stock. Ten year two point one four, that's unchanged. The Bund, uh positive point three five, that's unchanged. Uh Japan positive point two one, that's pretty much unchanged. Over oil, down another eight seventy eight, ninety four twenty three. Uh Brent down eight sixty three, ninety eight twenty seven, natural gas down a dime, four fifty five, our bob down twenty three cents, two ninety three Yes, Eliani. I only put ten gallons in. I figured it'd be cheaper next week. Huh. So far, I'm I'm uh, I'm, I'm uh, wish I could do that by my trading. You know, <laughs> uh, gold down thirty four dollars nineteen twenty six. Gold is getting hammered along with uh, anything that's uh, uh, like that. Gold, gold, silver down forty five cents twenty four eighty five. Boy, I'm glad I got my some puts on this gold. Uh, copper down three cents four forty eight, and we've got Bitcoin down fifty three bucks. 38,702, relatively quiet in that area. What do you have for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 6.36 a.m. on March 15th. Let's start with sports. In the NBA last night, Bulls lose to Kings 103-112, to and the Phoenix Suns will be playing the Pelicans tonight at 7 o'clock. In hockey, Coyotes beat Senators last night 5-3, to and Blackhawks will be playing the Bruins tonight at 7.30. Weather this morning, the sun has yet to peak out. There's usually a little bit of sun at this hour, but right now it's nice and dark. Uh, it's going to be partly cloudy later today. Right now, 40 degrees with a high of 48 and a low of 37. And Phoenix currently very sunny, 53 with a high of 87, my God, and a low of 53. A uh, bit of busyness on the highways this morning. There's an accident at Route 83, sorry, on Route 83 at Hodges Avenue. Traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between the 294 North Tri-State Ramp in Harlem. Traffic eastbound on the Kennedy Expressway between Cumberland and Lawrence. 
traffic eastbound on the Edens between West North Avenue and South Union. Intermittent traffic westbound on the Edens between 130th and 76th and between 43rd and West Ontario. Traffic northbound on the Stevenson between Route 171 and the 94 East Ramp. Traffic northbound on Lakeshore between the 55 North Ramp and East Randolph. And traffic southbound on Lakeshore between Michigan and East Roosevelt. And that's all I have for you, Chief. Back to you. Uh, not so bad. Not, not, and I'll turn back if I were you, Morning. This no, is normal. It's, it's pretty chill. Do we have Mr. Joel? Sure do, Chief. How you doing on this Tuesday I'm morning? I'm doing all right. So you, uh, just when everybody on TV was saying oil's going to 300, you shorted oil, and now you're up, what, 20 bucks in two days? I, I, w- I, wish, I wish I had uh, the cojones to trade that crude oil market, you know? You got to. You gotta, you gotta have some deep pockets. I, I guess you could try the micros, but uh, man, oh man, what a move! Yeah. What a move uh, overnight! It, it seems to happen a lot. I mean, all of a sudden, people are are noticing contango in the market. I mean, what's going on, Chief? Well, the uh, the it was getting hysterical last week. Three hundred hours, one hundred and fifty, two hundred hours. Pick, yeah. pick a number. Because when you watch the financial TV, if one guy says two hundred, the next guy's got to say two ten just to to be heard, right? But the the futures, the, the long term futures, never got above what eighty or eighty five. I mean, if you want to, yeah, the, the, yeah, uh, yeah. You look at, uh, yeah, I was looking at like just the May and uh, you know, uh, then going all the way out to the geese, and you know, people look at that and I'm like, man, I gotta, you know, I gotta play this and. Uh, I guess you can do it with the USO options. I guess you would have to, you know, um, you know, put some put spreads on or something. They're not super liquid, but uh, it's good to see. Uh, it's helping the market. It, it's uh, the airlines I came out and uh, they adjusted some numbers up. So kind of a, a double good whammy for Delta and American. They're trading up pretty good. Uh, I don't know. I mean. I still don't feel like we're out of the woods in, in anything, Chief. It's, no. Uh, market, market still feels happy to me. Yeah, I, uh, you, you don't realize, well, uh, you do, but when you, when you talk to clients, and, and, and you know, and they, they, they listen, it's kind of one of, one of my pet peeves, though, Joel, is that you and I, whenever we're on the air, even though we have some opinions, we, we, we never give investment advice to people for fear that people might, and, you know, and, and, and we, we know how to trade the market both ways and invest, you know, protect people right. and do stuff. The amount of people that absolutely are, are just bare out there saying, uh, you know, I bought this stack. It's a great stack. You better buy it too. Not realizing somebody actually might listen to them. I mean, you know, you just, you know, cause I talk to clients all day long and I, and I know they listen to these people and they, they'll say, well, I just listened to, you know, Tom Lee or somebody. He says the market's, going to go straight up for like another two years i go well you know what that's that he, he's a bull that's his opinion that's his shtick that's why he's on there okay it's like it's like joe granville in the 80s you know he was mr short he got a reputation for that and you know he's he's probably still wants to be short from, from 800 the dow if he's still alive somewhere which i doubt he is i mean you get you, you you need to be careful and you need to look once in a while i mean uh one of the clients has a lot of amazon and amazon's been getting clobbered and, uh, from, from its highs, I mean, not from, you know, if you bought it 10 years ago, it's not. Uh, and I said, you know, now it's down from a 70 PE to a 45. You know, I said it's, it's a, a relatively better buy than it was a month ago, obviously. I said, but it's not like it's, 
eight or ten. I mean, it's not like you can't go from forty-five <laughs> to people. Yeah. You can't. You can't talk. I mean, it, it's such a a simple concept, and I'm you know I, I'm far from an economist or anything. But if you try and talk to people about PEs and 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 you know forward earnings and stuff, and you might as well be talking Swahili, uh, yeah. Chief. Um, People don't understand it, and well, another one, they, and you probably get this too, is when uh, you know your client, you know, I don't know where they're long the Amazon at, okay? But let's say they're long at two thousand, right? And it's at twenty eight sixty. Well, they don't look at it that they're up eight hundred and sixty dollars. The way they look at it was, well, the old time high was thirty seven hundred, yeah. so I'm actually down nine hundred dollars. I'm down one. And I'm like, no, no, that that's not the way it works. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a perception. And I think with uh, with pre-market prep and Dennis, uh, I know you've only had about once or twice, we just try and educate. You know, we, we try and, you know, get people to, you know, we're not going to give them the right, you know, buy this at this price and this time, unless you're on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, then you never have a losing trade. Oh, yeah, okay? absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or, or if you're on CNBC, you know, everyone loaded up, or everyone shorted oil yesterday. You know, someone will come on and, and say that today. Right. So, uh, and it, just using uh, Alibaba for an example, we're like, well, we don't, you know, I don't know where this thing's going, but I'm not buying it, you know? And then, oh, you're stupid, or will we talk about, you know, selling something out of our long-term portfolio, Um you know, we'll get criticism for it, but man, it's a tough market, and uh, long-term investing is so hard, so difficult. Um, you know, the buy-and-hold strategy, you know, has proven to work over the years, but man, oh man, market timing's tough too, Chief. It's uh, it's a tricky market out there. Well, the buy-and-hold strategy is totally dependent on when you bought and when you held it too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we did. Yeah, we used to. Well, we we did a lot of protected index program back between ninety seven and two thousand seven. But after two thousand eight, all the market for how many years just crept up, crept up, and nobody felt the need for any protection or anything like that. And the interest rates going to zero essentially makes the puts more expensive than the calls, which they normally aren't in in, in any kind of a normal world, which we haven't been in a while. Uh, so, but over that period of time, it was a ten year span. Where the market was like unchanged, and we were and we were up twelve percent over the decade, not per year, and the and the market was down during that decade was down over twenty percent twice, and we had never we were never below zero. So people say, well, gee, how could you only make twelve percent in a decade? You're missing the point. The market was down on the decade, <laughs> and, and by the way, it had a couple of twenty percent down moves, and people say, well, I never would have sold there. I said, how do you know? How do you know if you put a million dollars in the market, all of a sudden, six months later, it's 800000 that you would have just said, I don't care, I'm weathering this storm. You don't know until you feel it, right? Until, wait a minute, I'm already, I'm down 200000 in this crappy market. I'm out. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to lose another 200000 right? How do you know you're not going to be one of the sellers at the bottom if you're not protected? Until you actually, yeah. until you actually feel what it's like to be down 20%, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I, and I, I would just say I've, uh, I've, I've definitely have underperformed the market on the upside, and I've overperformed it on the downside. You know, I, you know, if that, if I'm saying that correctly, I mean, 
you know, just being conservative, uh, way too conservative, uh, cash, oh, well, everyone's like, yeah. oh, well, you know, you can't be in cash because of inflation. Well, I'd rather be in cash and getting chipped away than inflation than, you know, being in a stock that's down 25%. So, uh, as I said, Chief, it's a tricky market. We got the Fed today, the probably go a quarter point. I, and, and I've been saying this, I mean, the Fed is going to be the Fed, and they're going to do what they do to uh, rein in inflation. I, I, I think there's, you know, COVID, you know, yeah, something kicks up in Europe. That's, that's not my concern right now. My concern is what's going on in Ukraine, uh, Russia, China. I mean, there's a much bigger picture there. So, that, you know, that's, that's where my focus is, and definitely definitely keeps me up at night. It's, uh, it's a, you know... It's, a, it's just a horrible situation. And unlike COVID, you know, COVID, it was like, well, maybe, you know, there was a medical way, you know, there, there was a, a solution. Right now, I don't see a solution. Yeah, you know, I don't either. Say, oh, Putin can do this, can't do that. I don't see a way out of this right now. Every, 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 every day they get deeper. Every day, every day it gets worse. You know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, uh, we didn't get to talk to Tony at all. Um, I know, I know, uh, people are a little upset that Michigan got in. Um, tough. I'm glad they got in. Um, I like to draw against Colorado State, and if they get by Colorado State, uh, they got Tennessee. And, uh, under Rick Barnes, Tennessee has not been a good tourney team, uh, NCAA tourney team, even though they did win the SEC. So, it's wide open this year. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I really, I don't, I kind of got the Big Ten love going on, you know, with Purdue and Iowa and Illinois, but that really hasn't paid dividends in the past. So no. we'll do, I'll do my multiple bracket thing and see what happens. All right, we'll talk about it next week. But SB Futures up 4 and NASA Futures up 31. Be right back, Mr. Kenny Polkiri. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. 
With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Head down to El Paso. That's where they ran into a great big house. Well, hopefully it's nice and jacks. Now, tomorrow, Eliani on the board, S&P Futures. We're now, we're now uh, we'll trade the March and the June. We're, the March is, uh, expires this week. But uh, June to June is... Uh, up 25 cents. It was just up seven. That's how quick this stuff is moving. As their futures up 50, they were 15. They were just up 60. We have Mr. Kenny. We do. So uh, there's a rumor out there that says you were on TV and said oil's going to 300. You pick up the phone and said, "Sell me 10 futures." <laughs> I want to know who gives you who makes all these calls to you and and uh, does all that. That's very funny. No, I did not. Although I think oil's going higher. I'm not sure 300's where it's going, but I certainly think it's going higher. Well, not today, bud. Not today, for sure. Yeah. And look, you know, they started this, and it might have been short-term overdone, you know, when it spiked over the last week and a half. It certainly went up in a, a parabolic rise, and so therefore that might have been overdone, but... I think once this comes down and once this whole Russia thing continues to happen, if China starts to shut down again, you know, then it's going to bring, that's what's bringing this whole supply chain conversation back and demand destruction and blah, blah, blah. But once I think we get over that, then I think oil and energy goes right back, uh, right back up again. I don't think it's going to go necessarily out of control, but do I see it going back to $110, $120 a barrel and kind of staying there for a while? Yes, I do. What do you have? What's what's the highest? Uh, I should I should know this answer, but I don't. What's the highest like the the, the six month or one year futures have gotten? They haven't gotten above like eighty five, have they? Uh, I don't know. I have to look. I haven't looked at that for a while. I don't know. The, I should know the answer to that too, but I don't know the answer. I think they've been in the been in the eighties. I don't. I don't think they. There was a there was a big contango. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think that uh, once this once this you know settles down and the world, you know, starts running again and China opens up again after they threaten the lockdown all over again, creating all kinds of hysteria, then, you know, energy demand for a, for a, for an open global economy is going to rise again. Um, do you think the, the bruises starting with the, uh, well, I won't say that the, the, well, it's been a, been a, I'm going to say the Trump tariffs are in there someplace. I don't know where they rank is, between that and all of a sudden people having a little more awareness of, uh, shall we say, the business practices in China. It doesn't stop people from buying stuff for there yet. But now, you know, if China's starting to help the Russians and the Russians are doing this, do you think there's there's a at least a several-year, uh, you know, black eye on this international trade for a little bit? Uh, I, I certainly think there's going to be a black eye in international trade, and I think there's going to be a black eye not only uh, clearly what's going on in Eastern Europe, but I think there could potentially be a black eye what's what's going on with China. Look, China, there's all that threat. These Chinese stocks getting delisted. They don't want to play by the rules. They don't want to play by the accounting rules. Uh, and now you got analysts that were out there touting them two years ago, telling you how to get in, how to get in, how to get in. Now they're saying China's uninvestable. So do I think there's going to be some some uh, uh, kind of damage from that? Yes, but I think it'll be short-lived. Um, 
when, when, do, when do we take as you know I'm, I'm not a law and order kind of guy although maybe I'm getting to be more more like that in my I was just talking to my brother yesterday Dan's a CPA president of PTI and, and, and he's like what's changed with these people we, we knew we, we couldn't we weren't going to audit them when, we, when they were listed we knew that the New York Stock Exchange bent every rule on earth to put Alibaba on there nobody right. gets a vote I mean, how many right. years ago, Kenny, was it if if if, if the common shareholders didn't get a vote, they wouldn't list you? They've been every single uh, rule due to greed, and now they're not are surprised. I, I understand that, but I understand that, but you the nail that. They tripped over each other trying to list, you know, Alibaba and all these other Chinese shares. They, oh my God, look how exciting this is! And now they open the world to everybody. You can direct you, you as an American, and can invest directly in China, and that's good. And blah blah blah. Meanwhile, they weren't following the rules. They didn't want to play by the accounting rules, and now everyone's going, you know, when they're under pressure. And there's a threat of them being delisted because they're not playing by the rules. Now everyone, everyone's sitting there, you know, throwing them out the door, going, no, 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 we can't have you if you're not going to play by the rules. Well, how'd they get in the door in the first place? Well, how do you, I mean, I guess, I guess, I don't know where I want to, I don't know where my, the end of this discussion I want it to be. I, I don't know, but how do you not take the people who were there? Well, first of all, how, how does, all right, I'll be crude. How does the SEC all of a sudden get a flame under their ass to go do something after 10 years? How, do, how does that happen the last week when it's been that like that for forever? Well, because, you know, I think the times are different. I think politically there was some pressure, you know, let it happen, let's bring it, let's do this, let's do that. And now suddenly the world's a different place, and, and, and heads have to roll, and now they have to make an example out of somebody. So somebody's got to have a, a flame lit under their ass to do something, right? I think that's exactly what happened, right? There was all this pressure. Do it, do it, it'll be good for everybody, good for the global economy, good for American investors, they can invest directly in China, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, I've been saying it all along. I think there's so many other places to put your hard-earned money than China, um, and, you know, there's Europe, there's America, there's so many other places, and now it's coming back to haunt everybody. But, I mean, did... Right? China was not a place I ever put my money exactly for these reasons. I don't care, Alibaba was taken off, they said to me, oh, Kenny, you missed the boat. Great. Yep. I had my money in other places, European companies, big cap Europeans, big U.S. companies, all that stuff. So I missed China. Guess what? Good miss for me. Do you? Do you? I uh, I don't know. I don't know why I'm getting. You know why, Kenny? Because I've seen so many times in my lifetime now that every time something this ha- like this happens, some people make out or don't. I when right. they, when they were welcomed in, I almost have to believe that the right people were long, and now that they're being right. booted out. You wonder if the right people are short. Well, you know, isn't that, isn't that interesting? Isn't that always the case? You wonder who's got the inside information and wins off of wins off of what's happening. And you're right. There are people maybe that knew this was coming or saw it coming or were on the inside that knew it was coming, get themselves short, then they got like bandits. Absolutely. Prove it. I can't really, but I suppose, you know, we, you and I have seen it how many times? Well, you and I, if, if, if somebody will, will, will say... We'll say Eliani uh, has a company, and she's a public company, and every year she puts in the audit, and all of a sudden one year there is no audit, or, 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 or things aren't happening, she's not making this filing, that filing, mm-hmm. and you and you jump all over her. I, I, I sort of get it, but if but if she's never given you one ever, <laughs> how, do you, how do you decide that this is the month to walk in there? I, I, I don't get it. I mean, I mean she, she never said she was going to give you one, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, I understand, but it's very interesting. You know, you want to know who knows what, when, 
how long they knew it, how then they positioned themselves. It's the same thing like when you talk about what goes on in Congress, Nancy Pelosi, right? How she's made millions and millions of dollars in the stock market. Isn't yeah. that interesting? She's got all the inside information. She knows exactly what's coming down the pipe before everyone else does. That's do most of them. And I'm not just blaming Pelosi. All of them, the whole bunch of them do it, both Republican and Democrat. Kenny, right? when did this, when did this, uh, we had a couple of minutes. And I, I, I'm, I'm totally naive on this because we're, we're always a ute. Um, the Illinois could be, I mean, Chicago always had its, uh, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it's warts, right? It was always, it was always Chicago, right? And there was a lot of stuff going on here and there was always kind of money going on the table. But, but Richard Daly ne- never traded, never traded ahead of his decisions. Paul Simon, didn't become a millionaire trading stuff. Neither did Adley Stevenson. Neither did Edward Dirksen. I mean, when, when did this all start? I mean, I'm sure somebody somewhere, uh, Howie Long, or somebody probably did it. Not Howie, or Huey Long. Howie was the was the base football player. Uh, I mean, when did this all start? And when did when did it become kind of okay? Was it was it Cheney that, that all of a sudden was trading his stuff? I mean, I can't blame him for the whole thing. When did this all become that way? That you're that's what you're there to do to become a gazillionaire. I, I don't know when it became okay and. You know, I think it became more okay the more they democratized it and the more they opened it up and gave everybody access to be able to, you know, jump into the stock market without a moment's notice. Because remember, before all the technology, you had to call up your broker, you had to enter an order. The broker had to enter the order. You couldn't do it yourself. You had to go through a broker. Today, you can, on your phone, access your TD account and do what you want. No one's stopping you as long as you have money and then you can trade it. No one's, if you have inside information, nobody knows that when you go enter in order to buy something or sell something or, or, uh, uh, get short something or get long something. Nobody knows. But the access to democratization that allows everybody with a computer or phone or whatever to access the market, I think is when it became more prevalent because it was easier. But I'm not sure that it never happened, you know, before it just took longer, and it wasn't well, really as also, simple. You couldn't but, trade in and out of it, and you couldn't make those quick decisions the way you can today. But if you call me up, and I still have this responsibility as a broker, which is you do correct, which, well, you're a broker. Which, right? which yeah, frost, which, yeah, but it frosts the hell out of me that if if you call me up and say I just talked to the senator, this bill's coming through Congress. I got all this information, inside information. By the way, buy X Y Z. I'm going to say I can't do that. That's right. But but but. Now, how is it that Schwab or TD, they, they, they're devoid of any of that responsibility if you do it yourself? Well, because you don't, when you, because you don't talk to anybody well, but when how they is call it? you. They have to actually talk, and then they reveal that information. Then you go, no, 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 I can't do that. But when you can access your Schwab account, and you don't have to talk to a human being, and you, you know this inside information, and you go long XYZ, who knows? But, they just let you do it because you're a client there. There's nobody who's... Who you're talking to? There's nobody who's asking you questions. They just you just do it. But Schwab knows you're a senator. They shouldn't let you do it. Well, okay, that's okay. That's a whole nother conversation. They shouldn't be allowed to be able to do it. Right. You know, starting at the like Senate, Congress, elected officials should be. They should all this stuff should go into blind trust. They should not have access to the capital markets. And when I say that, I mean them, their spouses, and their children. None they're, of them should have access. Their dogs either. <laughs> Kenny, 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 take care of yourself. I fire you up as usual. It's good. I, yeah, you, bye. <laughs> I take care. SP Futures up 450 now. NASDAQ up 37. We're bouncing back up. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. 
This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, and jocks. stocks, and jocks. You are out of control! Here, right now, right here, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Archie's Eliani on the board. SP Futures now up five. NASDAQ Futures up 40. We were up. We were unchanged. We were down. Now we're back up. It's, uh, this has been what's going on like pretty much every day for the past, God, many weeks. Uh, we have a rare treat today, although we are breaking, Eliani, one of the most sacred rules of Stocks and Jacks was the two female rule. Today we're going to have three <laughs> counting you. So I guess rules are made to be broken, eh? But, oh yeah. But not, not many guys can handle three ladies ganging up on them. But you know, I'm a, I'm a lean dog. I can do that. I'll just sit here. Oh, no, <laughs> I'll, you, man, I'll man you, the board. You'll be happy to gang up on, on if, if they're ganging up on me. You'll be happy to chime in. <laughs> do we have? What do we have? Hi, uh, you have Nancy Longgram. How hey, are Nancy, you? Nancy, how are you? I I would have bet that you would have called in before Audrey, being the more responsible one of the two. You know, just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to touch that one. No, no, no just mm. uh, so <laughs> Nancy is a, a mortgage broker at American Portfolio Mortgage, and a uh, kind of a you know just a, a bright, well-read, any subject kind of person, which is what kind of people we like to have on the show. A guru, as they say. Yeah. So what's uh what, what's up in your world? Is, is the whole world scrambling that you now they think they have a, like a two-week respite in the in the Fed raising rates to uh to go get mortgages, you got to be busier than, than, than the one-armed pa- paper hangers, they used to say. You know what? We're not that busy because the, um, I mean, not what you would have expected, like when the rates were low. Now, what you're getting is just purchases. No one's going to refi in this absolute mess that we've got going on. Well, if it's uh So it's totally different than what you would think. 
Well, but people pretty much already refined. I mean, I mean, everybody's going to has, has done it. I mean, there can't be too many people sitting around with a six percent mortgage still, are there? That is correct. That's what I'm thinking. So, um, it's mainly going to, just going to be purchases now, and then the uh, amount of homes available are it, it's crazy. I mean, you've got to make appointments. People get 15 minutes to look. Somebody else is in looking, and I'm sure it's very uncomfortable for people to uh, buy in such a volatile market because you really better like it because you could stay there for a while. Well, the people who are uh, inventory out there. If, if you're if you're just you know if you've got the three bedroom home and you and you're looking for the four bedroom home, you had another kid or another dog or something, um, you're, you're sort of just trading. So as long as you don't you know <clears throat> screw up the trade and have two two at the same time, and if the market collapses or something, I mean you're pretty much just trading, right? So it, whatever you're picking up in one, you're kind of losing in the other, right? Correct. Correct, but what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is people who want to um, move up, you know, people had the starter home and now they want to move up into something a little bit bigger, for them it's just so volatile because they've got to actually make that second move and move up without selling their first home first because they could wind up, their first home could sell in 24 hours and they have to get out in 30 days and they haven't found anything yet on the other end. Boy, that's a recipe. I mean, I, I know a couple. But how many people, I mean, uh, Nancy's been in the business a little while. Uh, how many people got caught in 2007 with two houses? Correct. Correct. So it's, everybody knows not to do that, but it happens to be the only, almost the only way you can get anything now. So, unfortunately, people are finding themselves in this position. And some cannot even get approved carrying two, even for a short time. That's true. So it's, it's turning to be very messy for them. It's just a very volatile market right now. I mean, don't you find that as well in the stock market? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. I, uh, and, and we're, you know, we're talking about whenever anything's at the extreme, uh, Nancy, I mean, it, it's, it's, the market got so high with all the money that was pouring in. I mean, it, it, when everything's at the extreme and interest rates, you know, have no business being at zero. You know, especially for a decade, for God's sake. I mean, why, why, why are people that lend people money get nothing for a decade? I mean, you know, lending somebody money. It's just, if you build a building, right? You need concrete, you need steel, you need toilets, you need, uh, and you need the money to build it, right? It's a, it's a factor of production. And why should you get stiff for, for a decade because of government policy? I mean, uh, but now it's, it's, it appears to be going to go the other way. But although, have you heard so much talking about a rate increase? for like a year and it still hasn't happened yet? Correct, but it is supposed to happen this week. And, of course, it's the Fed raising the rate is just the rate between the banks, correct? I mean, it's just going to... Uh, well, um, actually, um, there's, there's... You want me to give you the long answer? I might as well. Uh, they sure. a- They actually... What the, the Fed does, the only interest rate they, quote, control directly is the discount rate. Actually, that between and, the banks, correct? No, the discount rate is what you can, what a bank can borrow from the Fed for reserves overnight. Correct. And actually, they have a right. a rate now that if you have too much money and you kick it back to the Fed, they pay interest overnight. So there's there's two they can quote control. But by having so much money in the system, Nancy, you're talking about the old Fed funds rate, which was well, it's still there. But I, I know people that have retired because there's no more business. In other words, if if uh, Citibank, for instance, needed 
know, somebody moved a big chunk of change from one bank to another, and all of a sudden they need, you know, $100 million in reserves overnight, probably means that somebody else has ex- excess reserves because they came from somewhere, you know, overnight. So you, maybe they can go to the Northern Trust and borrow the hundred, $100 million overnight from the Northern Trust, so now they have enough reserves. And that, the rate that they charge, Northern Trust charges, is called the federal funds rate. It's a bank, it's a rate at which one bank will borrow from another bank overnight to meet reserve requirements. So, what the Fed does is by pu- putting money in and out of the system, they essentially monitor the size of that pool. So if, if they want to, if they, if they say the, the Fed funds rate's gonna be one and a quarter, what they do is monitor the amount of money in the system, take it out or put it back in, so that that rate, the target is that when Citibank calls Northern Trust and they say how much you need, they'll say the number is one and a quarter. But it's never like exactly one and a quarter. It'll be 1.24 one night, 1.26 the next. But the Fed's target rate, because that, that's the that's the, that's the float in the system. But what they've done by having the rate so low, I don't think any bank borrows from another at all. For a long time, all the, the money was being kicked back to the Fed every night. There was so much money in the system. That's why people were saying that even though there was the money supply was growing dramatically, the velocity of money was dropping. Because overnight, the money was coming back to the Fed because there was so much in the system. It was really a, a whole, totally messed up deal where these numbers didn't mean anything like they used to because it was it was, it was such the whole system was so awash in cash. Now, did you really did you bargain right. for that answer? It was too much of a long answer, or what? Yes, because I I I was um I worked at um I was an executive vice president at a bank, so I know that's what I meant. Right. And, but um, I don't I don't think those guys meant overnight lending rate or borrowing funds was just a joke. We used to lend back to them. So. Yeah. I mean, one of one of the um, one of the dudes that hangs out in the uh, I, I see him once in a while at the Tripoli. Uh, he, he was, that was, that was his job. <laughs> but he's been retired now for a while. And he goes, last night I, I, I lent money to somebody. I lent a hundred million dollars to somebody. And the interest I earned didn't cover the wire, the cost of the wire transfer. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know. It is what I think. It's just so screwed up. It's like somebody called me last night in a panic. They can't find anything. And they said, we heard interest rates could be as high as nine or 11%. Well, I said, that's okay. I mean, we've all been through that. Well, it's going it, to be the end of the world, and don't don't have all this fear of something that, first of all, is not going to happen overnight. And then, second of all, even if it does happen, we'll all live through it. Well, I don't know. We'll, it depends. But as, it, whenever that stuff happens, and this is why, I, you know, you and I have talked, you know, off off the show enough to where I think we we both are aware that every time. Somebody makes these economic moves. Yes, we live through it, but there's big winners and big losers, and and that's Correct. you know therein therein lies the rub. Now, right now, the the danger, the risk in in Audrey selling somebody a house and and you giving them a, a nice low mortgage, and you guys both do what you do very well. Uh, there's there's you know the the risk is that if that person lives in the house, it can make the payment, and you know they're they're a Thirty-year-old couple, or thirty-five, or forty, whatever the number is, and they live there for twenty-five years, and everything works out great for them. There's basically not much risk, right? I mean, they, they can make the payment, and, and everything's fine. The, the the risk comes down to if all of a sudden, two years from now, the rates are six and or six and a half. It don't even have to be seven or eight, but if it's six and a half, and all of a sudden the taxes go up, 
now who the hell are they going to sell it to if they got to be out of there? There, there, there is the problem. They're they're going to take a hit on the on the price because the next person can't afford probably two grand more a month than these guys are paying. You know, so there there's there's the risk, right? I mean, the the right. And uh, so when, back in the when I bought my house in Beverly in uh, 1986 or whatever the hell it was or 85, I mean, I paid not much for the place. My mortgage was probably nine, and uh, and the mortgages did nothing but come down. So. So my risk was, uh, uh, it's actually a way better time to buy a house when you're paying less for the house and more for interest, right? Because interest comes down, you refinance. Correct. You know, so the, the, the risk Correct. now is you having to sell it two years from now and all this changes. So there's always risk for somebody, right? That is correct. I mean, it's always a risk. It's, a, it's an investment as well. So it, it, it still could work out. The, the problem is you just, you can't, Standing still is not going to help anything either. For this, in other words, in my example of last night, the, um, life is still going to go on. Your wife is still going to want a home. Oh yeah. And not buying anything isn't going to help anybody either. So people just become so scared they become frozen. And then, then what do you do? Well, I mean, it's it, it never well, up until two thousand and seven. There, there were times. I mean, you and I can remember going back a bit. Is I mean, like you said, it, it's more of a, uh, and that's why some of the, some of the old people, older than us, Nance, you know, bother to live and bleep out of me because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you know, you get the old man saying, I mean, basically, you, you come out of school, you get a job, you meet somebody, or you maybe you already met him at school, you know, you, you get the apartment for a while, then you have a kid, you need a house, blah blah blah. I mean, your, your timing is really not your own, right? It's like what year do you graduate school? Is it a good year for the job market versus a bad year? You can't control that. You just hope it's a good year, right? So you get these old farts that are, that are telling right. you, you know, oh, I, when I bought my house, it was a good bargain. You bought your house because you had a kid, and the wife says, "I want a house." I mean, right? <laughs> that's why you, 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 right? You just hit the nail on the head. Yeah. That's that's why people are so panicked right now. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. When did we start? We have to go back to living again. Well, right. We can't live in this little bubble that we've been in. Well, but you do. Um, you have to way back in the two thousand five, two thousand six. Sorry, I had a friend. Uh, she was a listener to the show. Uh, she was telling me that she lived up out in. Uh, I don't even know what neighborhood it is. It's way the hell out by. It's a part of the city you can't get there from here. It's like, you know, Belmont and Cumberland. Mm-hmm. You don't even realize how far the city goes out on the north side that way. Uh, but it's... It's in Norwich. It's in Norwich. In the O's. Mm-hmm. But there, there's the K's, the L's. She was all the way out in the O's. I mean, it's out in the middle of nowhere. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was a nice neighborhood, and they do small, most a lot of frame homes and everything. And all of a sudden, they went from, you know, 180000 to to like four four and a quarter. You know, and she tells me... We had a block party. She goes, there isn't a person on this block that could afford their house today. And once that happens, you know, you, you know you've got trouble. And the, the danger is, uh, is somebody buying a place at 300000 saving up to sixty grand because people still do that. I mean, you know people putting 20% down, right? They save up to sixty grand, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. two years from now, the interest rates are 7 and the house is worth two forty. Well, you, you just basically pissed away your whole life savings. Right, and it, they're, they're in, therein lies the rub, and uh, that if, if if things get too high, it's just like the stock market, you know. And, and I, what I wanted to ask you about that is, how is it when when houses obviously of a neighborhood of everything, everything house in the neighborhood is you know two hundred. We'll start with two hundred thousand. Somebody pays two ten. Now maybe the house is a little nicer, maybe it's more remodeled, whatever. 
well, the, you know, the, the appraiser is going to look at it and say, well, maybe these, maybe the neighborhood's worth, you know, next one comes in at 205, I'm probably going to let it slide. But how, do, how does any sort of appraisal situation get from 200 to like 350, like it has in the last three years, when, when nobody in the neighborhood's gotten a 50% raise, right? I mean, I mean, it seems like with the, appra- right. with the appraisal system the way it is, you, there'd be somewhat of a lid on, just because five people come in and pay three hundred thousand, doesn't mean that everybody there can now pay three hundred thousand for everybody, every house in the neighborhood. It just seems kind of, kind of odd, Nance. I mean, it, it, run, it runs up so fast. You wonder how it, you know, it's not like it's the market where there's no appraiser. I mean, people are just buying it there. It's there, but there's actually it's your business is kind of designed to go slowly, and yet it really didn't go slowly the last couple of years, did it? No. And that's really a great question because I asked an appraiser, like, if this house appraised in August for two fifteen, okay, just on a straight refi, right? And the house two doors down on a straight refi appraised for two fifteen, right? Big surprise. And now the the first house is up for sale in Jan- uh, January or February, and now someone's offered two fifty. How did it go from two fifteen to two fifty? Right, it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. And they replied with, "Well, if someone is offering two fifty, they can enter a contract, and they both feel it's a fair price, right? And then uh, anything within a, like a two mile range has kind of had the same jump. Who are we to say it's not worth it? Well, so right. it's kind of like a catch twenty two answer. But uh, and then that those went through." And the next thing you know, everything was selling for like two fifty, two sixty. Yeah, so I'm not sure how they get there. But appraisers are um, the system is working itself to the point where they're tracking what each of these appraisals are for, and pretty soon the system is starting to tell us this, this price is too high. We can't do it. Um, yeah, I remember we'll when... get rejected in the automated array system. Well, I, I can uh, I could go back in the. Uh... In the day, I had this discussion with uh, your friend Audrey, um, and, you know, and you know how this one went. Uh, I, didn't, I don't think I won this argument, but there was a, uh, um, a study by, by anyway, was, was by uh, somebody. This is back in two thousand and seven or whatever, and they were saying how these these houses had gone up, you know, fairly rapidly, and to the point where where, where did we tap out back then? Nance, it was. Uh, um, I'm going to say. Houses got to what two thirty five, two forty, the median, something like that, in two thousand and six. Back in two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah, and then, and then right there. Yeah, and then they then they dropped down after the fiasco happened down to what like one sixty five or something. Is that, yeah, right. That is right, and right now I think the average median is three forty seven. So it's it's crazy. But uh, but what what happened was that I was I was you know showing this to Odd, uh, and and, and she would because obviously you know in real estate. I mean, everything's a good buy if it's, you know, if it's cheaper than the one next door and better than the one. Everything is kind of relative. I mean, it's, that's when that's what, uh, well, that's what, that's what they do and, and they're good at it. But, but it got to the point where in this article it was, uh, the houses were, you know, two something. And they said, okay, if, if you get, if somebody gave you 20,000, uh, 20% down payment and you put it down, that people like you in the mortgage industry, we're requiring eighty-five thousand bucks, essentially, as income to cover, you know, the house insurance, the taxes, and all the other stuff, right? Because that's what you guys do, right? You, you figure out how much income you need. And the interesting part was, 
something like 85% of society didn't make 85,000 bucks. So you had the median price of homes unapproachable to 85% of the wage earners, which, you know, that's a problem. I mean, it, it's, it's, cause they were, at the time, uh, they were saying if you were in the food service industry, you're making like 15. We're, I mean, we're not talking close to 85. Um, if you were, if you were just a, a normal person in a cubicle somewhere, you know, working in, in uh, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever you, the people work in the Sears or whatever, uh, th- that, those people are making 45. And people in hospitals that, even, you know, testers and people at higher end jobs, nurses and wherever, and not doctors, were making 65. I mean, there weren't a whole lot of people in 2006 that were making over 85 grand a year. And now, individually, I mean, now, individually, I, I don't think there's so many people, percentage, I mean, we, you and I may know a lot, but population wise, what percentage of the population makes over 100 grand a year? Is, do you think it's 10%, 15? I, I bet it's not that much. Oh, I don't, I think 8. You think it's less than 12, 10? somewhere in there. It's, yeah. it's a low number. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, when you start talking about a, uh, well, let's do the math right here, because I know you can do it pretty, the, if the median home is what, 365 now or something, right? All right, so 20% I think, of the, I, I believe it's like 347, 350 right in there. Well, that makes it but easy. See, here's the other thing. Um, a $300,000 mortgage, let's just say, at 4% is $1,432. Right. And so, and rents are what? Well, they're, they're more than half. But what's your? Well, Illinois is is so variable in taxes, but uh, you got to be talking eight hundred a month in taxes, right? Most places, maybe more. Uh, no, 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 no. It's a, it's a, in the city. No, city doesn't have real high taxes. The okay. city doesn't. I mean, maybe in certain zip of those areas, like your 606, 112, 11 there, but the majority of the city has lower taxes. You'd be surprised. Okay, so, all right, so let's, let's figure our, our 350 house. So somebody puts down 50 grand, so the mortgage is 1400 uh, Insurance uh, and taxes is going to get you to what, probably, 21 I would think, uh, could, it could be as low as 1800 It really? could be as high as 2300 depending where you're at. Alright, so, so the taxes so, are that volatile. What about the places Audrey was selling way out south where the taxes are more than a mortgage? Uh, in some of those southern, uh, like. Yeah, I mean, and that does, but I, it, that depends on, you know, I mean, if you can't afford it, you have to, you know, find something that's more in your price range. But there are, there are still homes in the hundred and fifty thousand dollar range. Okay, so so say it's two thousand a month is your 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 nut for living. Where does that put you income wise? What do you have to make to do that? Your nut is two thousand dollars. Well, I mean, if you put down the money, say how much would you be looking for that person to be making income wise to buy that three hundred fifty thousand dollar home with fifty thousand down payment? At, at like two thousand dollars, they at least have to be making at minimum forty eight thousand and have no other debt. Okay. Twice it would have to be twice. I mean, the, the highest you're supposed to only have on your on your you know just your mortgage, your taxes, insurance, principal, and interest. That number is not supposed to be over twenty eight, and your total debt is supposed to be thirty six. But that number thirty six can go up. It, it depending on your credit score. How you make your payments, 
stuff like that, what your credit history is. I mean, it can go as high as 45. Sometimes it can go up to 49. Okay. So it would be better if they made closer to 60, about five grand a month. How but then you can't have anything else fall apart. You can't, you can't have a car loan. I mean, some car loans on credit reports are $800. It's insane. Yeah, it's unreal. What, uh, what am I... What and student am, loans, that's another thing. What am I sort of, uh, well, I won't say my pet peeves, but the thing that I rail about a lot on, on, the, on the show, Nance, is the, the difference in this country as to whether or not you get your hospitalization paid for or not. Do you take that into consideration? Well, there's another. No, it does not get, it does not get taken into consideration. Boy, I'm going to ask a question. For, it does not. I'm going to ask you a question. Why not? Because I don't make the rules. The, the government does. Every loan is owned, by, in the end, by a government agency, whether it's Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Federal Home Loan Bank. I mean, Federal Home Loan Bank is, is separate just for the bank. And then there's FHA, Federal Housing, and VA. And they do not count that in the equation. No, I, didn't, I didn't mean why did you personally. So what do you figure the difference Pardon? is? I didn't mean you personally. I meant, I meant, I mean, I, the way I calculate it, which, you know, nobody wants me calculating stuff. Uh, the way I calculate it, if you're making 55 grand a year and you're, and you're paying your own hospitalization, it's like you're, it's like you're making 40 and if you're getting it paid for, it's like you're making 80 or 75. It's, it's that much I agree with you 100%. I have been in that situation and believe me, it's, it's not pretty. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Pretty. I paid more in premium for in in um, the um, Obamacare than I did for my house payment. Yeah, I don't see how it. Uh, one of the one of the there was a few guys here in the building that uh, are like building engineers and so forth, and uh, and we're, we're real tight. And they always were asking me advice on stuff. And it, even and one of the guys, man, you might actually know him. Uh, one of the guys, he he, he splits. His uh, hospitalization with the building, right? So, so he pays six fifty yeah. a month or something, which is which is just like a mortgage for God's sake. And but but the big thing is the deductible is you know it's like twelve grand for the family. So correct, and it's so I mean I, I don't I mean so nowhere. I mean how is it if, if somebody's right on the border? What are the chances of a family of four or five going through a whole year? Without some thousand dollar, two thousand dollar, you know, hangnail in an emergency room, it's got to be like ne- almost zero. I mean, how, how do you, especially if people are paying sports and doing stuff? How do you, how do you go through a whole year with nobody getting sick, and where, you, where the deductibles are, you know, ten grand or something? I mean, it's well, you know, I I agree with what you're saying. I mean, I've I personally have been there. I had two years in a row where I had uh, tapped out at twenty five grand each year. Well, wow. so it's a direct hit. It's a direct hit going into your your IRAs. I mean, when you see people that are just pay the hospital five dollars a week for the rest of their lives. Uh, when you when you see somebody when you get into people's finances, with the hell more than I do because that's your job. When you see somebody with a an outlier credit card bill, how often is it? You know, some goofball male or female that either buys the bass boat or the furniture that they can't. Uh, they can't afford, or is it somebody who gets hit with a medical bill? The, um, the average credit card that I see is, um, you know, like back in 2000, if I saw five or 10000 in credit card debt, that would be, you know, considered like a lot. And now I've seen credit cards up to $123,000 in debt. 
Or most, I mean... I would say the average I see is about 30 or 40. Because the stuff that I, I read is that like 85% of all bankruptcies and credit card debt kind of stuff starts with a an unwanted, uh, unwanted uh, a hospital bill that people put on a credit card. I mean, you, I mean that's what I'm asking you because I don't know. It, it didn't used to be that, that somebody, you know, somebody put, you know, Ten thousand dollars worth of furniture on a credit card, and then couldn't pay it. I mean, I, I guess people do that, but uh, it, it was more likely that you get caught with something that you didn't think was coming. Correct, but, but now there is a uh, the hospital cannot put you in collection, call you every day, or any of those things as long as you make get into an uh, payment arrangement, payment plan with them. Okay. So I've seen. I I see medical collections and the uh, credit card statements and if they're small and petty um, I advise the people just to pay them off I mean if it's a hundred dollars here or there but if it is in fact um, you're in a payment arrangement plan they're not allowed to report that really so if people yeah so people would just sit down and say okay let's figure out something on this bill they can't report that because you're making a payment and you needed the medical care versus someone who just totally says, this guy didn't do anything for me, therefore I'm not paying. Oh, all right. Well, it's just, There's just two different subjects, and they'd be much better off if they went with the first. We gotta, we gotta you only have to make a minimum payment. If $10 a month, I mean, you could enter into any agreement you want. That's they interesting. They have to accept the money. Nancy, we got a dash here to, the payment. we got a dash here to break. we can come back. We'll try and track out. SP Futures up 18. The SP Futures down 103. So we're putting a whip to it to the upside. Good, because everybody, everybody knows long. We could use an update. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. 
I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Aliani on the board. SP futures up 28, NASDAQ futures up 132. As we came out with a, a producer price index of 0.8 versus a 0.9 estimate, and X, X Food and Energy was only 0.5. Uh, there's a lot, a lot below these numbers. I've just started to go through it a little bit. Uh, we'll go through it with the uh, uh, two ladies, Audrey and uh, Nancy, here in a second. But this is a this is a real strange number. But it's obviously, it's a. I don't know. I don't think it's going to mean that the Fed's not going to do anything because we just see the stuff that's under. Anyway, Dow futures are up 100 over over in Europe. We've got DAX down 127.9 percent, FTSE down 47.7, CAC around down 23.4. Over in Asia, this is this is the weird spot. Nikkei up thirty eight point one, Shanghai down one fifty nine. It's five percent in China. Hang Seng, however, down another five point seven, down eleven hundred and sixteen. And I'm going to get the chart here of this, as I promised I would do last time through. Um, the uh, these guys are they're down to eighteen thousand four one five. They were I'm going to say twenty nine thousand in July, so they're down. A third, uh, basically a third. That's that's really something. Um, and then uh, a lot of the uh, the stocks you hear, the Biden and those kinds of things, are all listed over in that exchange, and they're getting basically their ass kicked. Uh, okay, we've got yesterday as a way of review. Dow was uh, up one. S and P was down thirty one. That's point seven percent. Nasdaq was down two sixty two. That was a whole two percent. Stocks like Apple, those kinds of things, were all getting clobbered yesterday. Uh, bonds were down uh, three basis points to 2.11. The bond minus four to 0.33. Japan unchanged at 0.21. Uh, oil down eight, 817, 94.84. So much for going to 300 like next week. It's going the other way. Brent down 784, 99.06. So even Brent's below 100 at this point. Natural gas down 11 cents, 4.53. Arbob down 19 to 2.97. So gas prices might actually be taking a dip this week. Gold down thirty six bucks nineteen twenty four big moving gold silver down fifty cents twenty four seventy nine copper down five cents four forty seven and we've got Bitcoin just kind of lounging around here up one oh seven thirty eight thousand eight six three had a thirty five hundred point run up last week and then run right back down and right back in his high high thirty range where it's kind of been for a while well Annie, what do you got for us traffic spoiler sports. Thanks so much, Chief. Good morning, everyone. Currently 7.36 a.m. on March 15th. Let's start with sports. In the NBA, Bulls lose to the Kings last night, 103-112, to and the Suns will be playing Pelicans tonight at 7 o'clock. In hockey, Coyotes beat Senators last night 5-3, to and Blackhawks will be playing Bruins tonight at 7.30. 
Weather this morning, cloudy 39 in Chicago with a high of 45 and a low of 37. And Phoenix, sunny 54 with a high of 87 and a low of 53. Busy time on the roads this morning. We have traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between Highway 45 all the way to downtown approaching the I-94-290 construction intersect, so be mindful of that. Traffic westbound on the Eisenhower between Independence Boulevard and 17th Avenue. Traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between Lee Street and Lawrence. There is a stalled semi-truck at Cumberland, which is partially responsible for that traffic there. Uh, we have traffic... Excuse me, westbound on the Kennedy Expressway between Lawrence and Cumberland. Traffic northbound on 294 between Route 20 and the 88 East ramp. Uh, traffic eastbound on the Edens between Tui and Canal Port. Massive line of traffic uh, westbound on the Edens between 130th and Cicero. Uh, we have traffic uh, northbound on the Stevenson Expressway between, uh, let's say, uh, looking at Route 171, um, approaching the... I'm so sorry. From Route 71 to uh, South Damon. Um, we have traffic southbound on the Stevenson between the 94 East Ramp and South Damon. There's an accident at uh, on DuSable Lakeshore Drive at Oakwood Boulevard. Uh, that's causing a bit of traffic northbound on Lakeshore between East 31st and East Grand. And finally, we have traffic southbound on Lakeshore between East Grand and East McFetteridge. My God. <laughs> what, did, what did you do to traffic in the last hour, for God's sake? I know. I ruined everything. Yes. Just saying, you know. Lost somebody. Lost everyone, it seems. Oh, God. Well, you'll get him back when I go over this PPI number. Okay, sounds uh, good. Uh, this is this is one of the strangest numbers I've ever seen. The final demand advanced 0.8% in February, which they get uh, slightly below the 0.9. But this is, uh, there's always two pieces of this. There's the PPI goods and there's the PPI services. And I, I mean, we're trying to chart, for lack of a better term, track whether people are getting raises versus the inflation. Uh, what would you say if I told you that the goods rise was 2.4% in the month and services are unchanged? That's I've never seen anything like that. I mean, I don't even know what to make of it. What it says is if you're a barber, you're not charging any more, but by the way, the stuff you buy is 2.4% higher. How is this a good number? At the, at the, I don't. I don't think people have read this part of it. Uh, this is. This is really. Like I guess I don't even know what the. What do we? What do we talk to Carl about this on? on uh, what are you with us? I am with you. Um, hopefully, Nancy will call back. We didn't say anything bad about you. In the half hour we were on without you. Just saying. I was listening. I heard. I thought that Nancy's doing. Gave you some great information there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, she, well, she's she's really. What do you make of this number? I don't know if you heard me or not, but. This PPI number. I did hear you. Well, what do you make of that? Well, I think once food, food and energy was the average person care. Well, uh, there at times. I mean, it was the, this is the PPI. This is not the CPI. So this is the Bruce. Okay, person. I didn't catch that all that. But uh, I mean, the 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 final number. I, I think when they're this far apart, you need to you need to mention them on TV, don't you? Goods rise two point four percent. Services unchanged. So if you're providing a service. You basically haven't raised your rates at all, yet the stuff you're buying to provide the service is up 2.4%. How is that a good month for you? It's a horrible month, but that's what's happening to people out there. The squeeze is unbelievable. The, uh, yeah, you were listening, and uh, uh, we're talking to Nancy. It's a, actually, hopefully she'll call back. The what, what? Well, what's happening is, uh, I, I was trying to call it, I got dropped, but I couldn't get through, so I, I even some. Technical difficulties. Uh, when you, now, careful when you say you. Uh, you. The, Who's uh, your problem? 
Do you have any idea? Actually, you do. Do you have any idea how much of an issue it is to get something done through AT and T these days? Yes, I do. I have AT um, When we switched the whole office over to AT and T, and and just just to port over an eight hundred number is like a four month ordeal. Now you'd say, why could that even possibly be? But it is. And now to get the the triple eight seventy six jacks. We have like four phone lines. This is, you know, this is just, maybe people need to know, maybe they don't. We have like four phone lines going into our board to try and get AT&T that if two people call in on the 800 number to jump to one of the other lines that people used to be able to do 60 years ago. This is a, it's a science fair project, Noah. I mean, why, why, the, the idea is, that's why we have four lines, is, is if somebody calls in, on the phone, they're supposed to line up on this piece of machinery that I bought ten years ago. That cost me a fortune. There should be there should be five, or there should be four lights lit. Like if people were calling to the show, like people used to call into the show. And now AT and T cannot figure this out. This has been a year. Well, I would say that instead, I would appeal to AT and T right now to come in and back up their service and fix your phone lines. Yes, maybe somebody's AT and T is listening and will help you out. Uh, the chances of that are. About the same as me being a Jackie in the seventh race today. Well, you know what? You can always hope for the best and be optimist here. Um, I don't know. Could you see me as a Jackie? No. No, but I can see possibly maybe maybe some uh, executive at AT&T willing to help you out and call over to your behalf. Well, what do we want to add to the the, the real estate? Are people? Um, actually, I was thinking about you and you and Nance coming on this morning. As I, as the, as we were talking, Kenny and I were talking about these Chinese stocks. And when they all got listed on the New York Stock Exchange, what a free for all it was. Everybody had to have these things at any price. Now all of a sudden we figured out ten years later, eight years later, that there's no audits and now we're, we're going after them. The SEC's going after them. After, after allowing them to be listed, now we're going after them for stuff they never did. Which, as you know, this, this, it, it frustrates the hell out of me, but, um, what is it when you guys, one of the things, if you could explain a little bit, because uh, we were talking about it last night over an adult beverage, is, is the, some houses people just list them straight and say, okay, the house is worth, you know, I think I'm just going to go for 450 you know, talk to a really good real estate person like you, and you're going to say, look, if you think it's, if, if we all agree it should go for 450 let's list it for, you know, 455 460 somewhere, we're nice and close. And, you know, first look, best look, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll try and sell it the first weekend. I mean, you'll advise people to do that. But in the last couple of years, once in a while, I, I see you say, well, let's, let's put it out there for 420 and get this feeding frenzy where everybody comes running in with all these bids. How do you decide which one to do at which house and is, is to where the, the frenzy is actually going to get you more than what you think it's worth in the first place? I, I find that fascinating. I mean, I, I don't, I don't give you grief about it because you know what you're doing and I don't in that area, but to me, it's, why would one be one way and one another? What what causes all that? Well, I think if you well, it goes back to the people just love a sale. Okay, so if it, if you in this market, if the house is a great buy, it well, we use your four fifty and say, well, let's just get it four thirty five and see what happens. Well, it's like anything uh, like an auction market. So if Somebody decides they want it, and actually they said it's still a good buy at maybe four seventy to me in this market. I want this house, so I'm going to go in here 
get in the action, and many times at that point, well, agents will wait and see how many bids we get. And you don't even have to, this part, since January, this year is even faster and hotter than last year or so, in my opinion, at this time. Right now, if you have a, a nice home that's priced right, you're going to get like a full office. You don't even have to say, ooh, let's play this game. A house that's priced fairly is going to get multiple bids right now just because there is no inventory. It's, it's, it's coming on. It's the spring market, and you're seeing them, but there's still not enough houses to meet demand. So as like any other business, when there's not enough to meet demand, the prices will go up on their own. It's not even something that you might even have to consciously plan. It's just going to happen right now. Well, how come, I mean, obviously you know my... My background is, is a trader where everybody has their prices and a, and a deal's a deal. I, I, I still can't get over it. I, mean, I, I see you do this uh, week to week, and, and I'm going to say Audrey's pretty good at it. It's got some people some very nice prices. I, for me, if I walk into a house or a car or if, or if it's an option or whatever it is, if I say, okay, how much are you asking for this house? Um, 450 Yeah, okay, I'll give you 450 How How is that not a deal? Well, it's not a deal if the other person needs to be in a house and they're willing to give 460 then obviously the seller's like, well, that sounds way better than 450 I'll take the 460 because this person's willing to give it to me. Well, I know if they're already it's all on the about table. If you've got a place, if, if you, you know, it's a choice between living with your mother-in-law or staying oh. in the Motel 6, uh, paying an extra 10 grand to get what you want starts to look pretty good. No, I, I get the part that when you have a uh, like you had last weekend, you had a, uh, you know, people bidding for a place. I get the part that once the bidding starts. I mean, I'm not that obtuse, but, but I, I don't, I don't get the. I guess what I'm having trouble with. I don't, I don't know why how how it gets to that stage because if somebody listed at 450 and I walk in and say, all right, I'm qualified, I'll pay 450 now. Wait a minute, you got to see if somebody wants to pay more. What do you mean? <laughs> I got to wait to see if somebody wants to pay. I mean, that, that's the part I, I've, as you know, I have trouble with. Well, the thing is, a seller doesn't have to sell their house. It's their house. They can do whatever that's they true, want. That's they can true. take it off the market. They can, and first of all, it's just smart. I mean, if you have listed your house in 450, and the first guy comes in at 9 o'clock in the morning and goes, wow, I love it, I'll give you 450, but you have 10 more appointments for the rest of the day. Okay, all right, I get it. Right. to wait and say, if out of these 10 people, somebody else wants to give you a better offer. That's true. I guess if you, if there, if, you know, in other words, so you get the idea by how, if there's a clamor just to see the place, you're not going to sell it to the first person, basically. But what would you? No, but well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's like, what was the, uh, was, was the cartoon or the, or the show where the guy says, he stole my company. Well, how did he steal it? Well, he asked me how much I wanted for it and he gave me the dough. <laughs> well, that's, that's exactly right. It's the same thing. Yeah. Well, and some people, however, do put a price on their house and they're happy to get that. But right now, I was just involved in um, uh, a bidding war in the last few days, which I'm happy to say I did win for my client. Um, but it was, uh, you know, probably had 30 showings on the house, wow. you know, in two days. And, you know, many offers that resulted out of that. So, you know, it's just the, the point in time where it just it, it's just the situation. And like anything else, things change. It's a buyer's market, uh, seller's market right now. It'll be a buyer's market one of these days. Everything ebbs and flows. But in the last 
four to five years, you know, the sellers have pretty much uh, been able to dictate terms at this point in time. What uh, Nancy was talking when, uh, in the first half hour about uh, how difficult it is to, quote, make the trade, where if you've got a house, you almost can't sell yours because you put it on the market, it might go the first day before you find a place, and yet if you find a place, you can't carry two. Have you run into that? Uh, well, you have to have a plan. If you have a house and you want to move up, that's where you have to work with your realtor. And I always ask people, is, okay, fine, you want to sell this house and you want to buy that house. Do you have enough money to do both? And if you don't, now we have to have a plan. So do you have a place to go in case your house sells the first day? What if we can't find you a house to buy soon enough? So this is a, a very tough situation right here. So you better have a place to land because there, nobody's going to take a contingency right now. The, the seller doesn't have to wait for you to buy the buyer, sell your house, close it, to, and buy his or he can buy somebody who has uh, no contingency to purchase. So contingency so is a total non-starter. It's, it's, it's a tough situation for people who have a house to sell. If they have to sell in order to buy, it has to be handled correctly. So when you do buy your house and you do buy it, you have to make sure they close back to back so you can take the proceeds and buy the next house. Now, but you, uh, um, so contingency, if you got somebody to take one and somebody comes by with an all cash bid, you, you get a chance to remove the contingency, right? It's still your place if you're in Yeah, you could get, you could get bounced out. <coughs> With the, uh, how long do you think this is going to stay like? Before I ask that, how widespread is it? I mean, is it is it your area because people are fleeing another area, or is it? Uh, yeah, I think this is pretty much right now a nationwide phenomenon. I think that if people are tracking. You know, obviously you have the thing like people who you know you can't wait to get out of Illinois. You've got people you know fleeing California. Uh, going to Arizona, going to Texas, going to Florida, going to Nashville. You know, Nashville it, homes are priced out of sight. So, you know, if you're fleeing to a popular destination, but all in all across the board right now, people have found that they, they bought a home. So, the nationwide housing market is pretty robust right now. Well, I uh, was using some kind of heavy en- en- uh, economic terms on people. I don't know if people have, uh, are throwing darts at my picture on the wall. I don't know, but I was talking about, uh, the oil market. It's, it's very short term inelastic, but very long term elastic, which means you can't increase the amount of oil today, but give, give, give yourself six months if the price is high enough and people, people will add oil to the, to the system. How much of this ought to, if they're, let's say for instance in your area, well, you'll do stuff any place, uh, You've got stuff in the city and otherwise, but basically you're, you're what, 25 miles, 20 miles with the center of Orland Park, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of where 80% of your stuff is. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll give us, uh, well, I've been to St. Charles, I've been to Grace, right, like, so, but normally I tend to stay in the western and southwestern suburbs, sure. How much of the, I'll use the term panic, the, 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 the rush for these houses would have been, would would be quote alleviated if two hundred houses that would have been built during COVID actually were built. I mean, are are you are you? I mean, if there's only ten houses available, I mean, I can see where you're. But are are you 
are you a thousand houses short or are you are you 50 houses short or 100 from this being a normal market well it's not that simple because you have you have to look at different housing across the board in Orland, uh like most communities in our area have a range from a one bedroom condo up to you know multi-million dollar mansions so you know are you going to build more condos? Are you going to build more of your entry-level houses? Are you going to build a move up in different price stratas? So you might need a thousand uh, one-bedroom condos. You might need twenty-five thousand, you know, entry-level houses, and you might need another thirty to forty thousand mid-level, and maybe only about five thousand, you know, very high-end homes. I mean, depending what part of town you're in. So you need a diversified group of housing to meet different income levels. Well, I guess the question I'm, I'm trying clumsy to ask here is, is the, is the, the, uh, the, the clog, for lack of a better term, basically because there were two years of not much building, or is it bigger than that, I guess is my question. Well, I, I think part of the problem is if you're in any close-in suburb, which Orland is you know, fairly close-in, there's no place to put 200 homes. I mean, you're, there's a, in any place close, that's part of the problem. Unless you're going out, now you have to go out farther to get the big subdivision because uh, everything close to, um, to Chicago, you're pretty much using insult. There's, you know, not a place where they're building 500 homes like they were, you know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, but there was more room. So the part of the problem is there's not a lot of place to build. There's plenty, well, there's there's plenty of room on the south side. There's developments here and there, but the giant communities going up, you know, that we remember, that doesn't happen. Uh, there's plenty of places in Inglewood. Oh, Just my say. gosh. Well, sure. I mean, you talk about if you have to revitalize, you could build an entire new city out there. Do you think it's ever going to happen? Ever? I mean, it's going to be a while, but... Well, it might. You never know. You have to see, uh, you have to see if we uh, get some decent leadership in Chicago and... People shot learn fire, how to do fire. things the right way and, you know, make things happen. But that's a whole discussion for another eight weeks. Yeah, well, it's a, well, I mean, it's, well, when you, when you come down to it, when you start seeing, uh, you know, tremendous demand for housing and yet the amount of population in the area doesn't go up, then you sit there and go, well, what's the problem? <laughs> Why all of a no, sudden? No, the problem is how the cities run. What is well, <laughs> that's the truth. Well, so would anybody invest in Chicago right now? As sad as that is to say. Well, that's the truth. Well, you, well, you, you would, you, you would if there were serious jobs and they're, they're sort of the, where, where are most of the people? Well, if they start get, uh, get rid of the crime and uh, some of the problems that are going on here. Uh, otherwise, I just don't see. Uh, you know, it's it's it's, it's, uh, it's a tough thing to do right now. But you know, all in all, you, know, you have to just take it. Uh, on, well, I just have to see where where it goes. Right now, that you, know, you see different developments. They're trying in some part of parts of Chicago. You see community groups building things. So hopefully, it'll all work out. You know, I grew up in Chicago, loved it. Would love to see Chicago return to being the, the beautiful city it was. Uh, but right now, you just you know, and also you're just expanding. People aren't going to go where jobs are, and well, that's just it. That a lot of people are just going out to you know, other states, also. Like it, well, that's I true. See a huge percentage of people leaving town. 
What do you make of the uh, the West Loop phenomenon, where that area is really hot, and yet the old the older downtown is uh, obviously not doing so hot? Well, I think that's just a cycle. You know, you people pick that out to to target it, and that happens a great deal. I mean, you know, the West Loop was, of course, you know, got in very good shape, and you know, the developers went in there, and uh, individuals at first they just started buying houses and fixing them. Like any gentrification starts. You know, you'll go in and somebody will start fixing and somebody else will come and start fixing and most of the time it starts as a block by block phenomenon and people get on the bandwagon and money attracts more money as you know and once you get some nice houses then the businesses will go to service the people that live there and it just is a building block and that's how it normally happens. Well that's why it's it's surprising to me that when you see the the, the leadership and we don't have time to get into that but there's always these big public projects on, and and you and I know because I used to do this way back in the day. No, nobody can bring no no city can bring the ingenuity or the capital together than 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 you know 500 idiots like me remodeling a building and, and trying to make money on it because the amount of work that you can put into the place, the amount of capital you can raise, the amount of effort you can put into it. This is what people are supposed to do on their own. They shouldn't be waiting for the city to do it for them, right? City should just. Well, it's true. A lot of times, if, if they entitle uh, federal funds to do that, and I have um, one investor who's um, doing a lot of building, uh, and they're going into, they're taking these old, run-down homes, and one by one, they'll buy you know, one here, one there, and turn around and fix it up and sell it, and you know, maybe bought it for. Fifty grand and uh, talk about a complete renovation and be able to sell it for two to two fifty and having it happen. So that's a good thing when other investors jump on the bandwagon and do the same thing. I think it's harder when the whole neighborhood is, is down when the buildings are just gone because that, that's a that's a that, much bigger project. Yeah, that's true. There's nothing that we have. Then you need a developer and you need a concerted effort. For like you know, a planned community, because that's the only way it's going to happen. All right, well, you got one minute to talk about the stock market. Well, I've worked on the trading floor for a long time. Knows her her options and her stocks. What do you make of this crazy stuff? We've been up and down three times already this morning. I think if you're a day trader, it's a great market for you. I think on the otherwise, uh, if you're looking to retire soon, you better be uh, very careful on what's sitting on, uh, on the table right now. What do you make? I'm of not much of a gambler. I'd rather if I have. Uh, most of mine in some type of protected program like you have because I don't know how people sleep at night uh, with nothing protecting their portfolio and the gyrations and the opportunities to go south at any moment are becoming, I think, uh, larger every day here. You know, it sure seems like it. Well, thank you very much. Thank Nancy because we didn't get a chance to call her back because uh, uh, we didn't, but both of you guys... Oh, and I uh, want to do the correction. Uh, if you need to reach me, my number is 708-846-6494. And my new email is AudreyJohnson at com. Good for you. All right, Aud. Keep, keep, keep knocking them dead out there. People love you. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456.
Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again.